1: Homes.com. We've done your homework.
4: The Large Nerdron Collider Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio.
5: that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how super excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Casted, and with me as always is the crazy awesome Jonathan Strickland.
4: <laughs> Ariel, I got a question for you. Oh, dear God. All right, here is your scenario, as the Quister would say. Okay. You are in an escape room and you have a fictional character on your team. Who do you think would be best to have on your team without them having to cheat to get out? So they're playing by the rules.
5: Well, uh, that takes out Indiana Jones and MacGyver. Um, I am going to say Catwoman.
4: Interesting. Interesting. A Batman villain. What is your reasoning?
5: Um, because she's very perceptive and, um, I don't know the heart. you like, you've really thrown me with this. They can't cheat. I'm like, she can get out of anything. So even following the rules, I am sure she could get out of this room. You,
4: I, I have to admit, Ariel, you have surprised me. I, I thought for sure you were going to go Sherlock Holmes or something like that. Someone who, Dang
5: it. That would have been so good. Except
4: <laughs> that I think Sherlock Holmes would go down a lot of like red herrings. Like he I mean, would he would just because everything is set up to make it seem like it's a clue in an escape room. And a lot of them aren't clues. Right. Yeah. So yeah. so he could very quickly start going down wrong pathways. But it's interesting you chose a well, Batman villain slash anti hero slash hero, depending upon the <laughs> what time in your in her uh, timeline you're in. Because I chose a Batman villain, too. Oh, I chose the Riddler. Choose?
5: Ah, and he is my favorite of all Batman villains.
4: And and it's because he wouldn't have to cheat. The Riddler thinks in terms of setting up riddles and puzzles. So he would reverse engineer. He would think, how do the people who set up this escape room think and then reverse engineer and solve the escape room without having to say, like, oh, you just break the lock and you get out. Right. <laughs> or Or it's not actually locked. They say it's locked. They obviously can't legally lock you in there kind of thing. So that's that was my pick. It was just it surprised me because I thought for sure you're going to go like the someone from the Scooby gang or Sherlock Holmes or something like that. So you really surprised me with Catwoman. I was I was pleased to hear it.
5: Well, I was like Indiana Jones, he breaks the rules. Uh, MacGyver, he kind of breaks the rules. Uh, The Supernatural crew, they kind of break the rules. Sure. So yeah, Cat, Cat Riddler would have been a better option. I think you chose like, there, even though there's not like a right answer, I think you got the right answer.
4: To be fair, though, I also come up with the questions. I'm at a, a an incredible advantage in this case.
5: <laughs> That's true. Well, it's also interesting that we both picked Batman villains because our very first news story is about some DC villains.
4: Yeah, I promise I didn't even think that while we were having that discussion. <laughs> and then I just looked at what our number one story was and went, Huh, that, that's just that's just kismet. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the trailer for the new Suicide Squad film, because I think we both have different opinions about it. So, Ariel, what was your reaction to the James Gunn version of Suicide Squad?
5: So I will start off by saying I really enjoyed it. David Dust made me laugh so hard when one of the characters said, I think we're going to die. And he goes, I hope so. (laughs) Uh,
4: (laughs) Yeah, the polka dot man.
5: Yeah, the polka dot man. He's So funny. He's so amazingly funny. This entire cast is amazingly funny. There was more and less blue humor and gore than I expected. So the blue humor they had was clever to me. The characters all seemed not where I'd predictably expect them to go as far as their conversations and motivations and things like that. Although there was a little bit more gore than I was maybe expecting in the trailer with some King shark moments. So uh, overall, I really enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to this raunchier version of guardians of the galaxy.
4: Yeah. See, uh, I actually really enjoyed it too. Uh, I also felt that it was extremely guardians esque, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's you can easily see the parallels with the whole, these are anti-hero type characters. Guardians, obviously they're a little closer to the hero side, Yeah. but you know, you've got characters like rocket who have, let's say very flexible morals mm-hmm. uh, and everyone on the suicide squad essentially has rockets, <laughs> ethic, ethical philosophy. Um, I, I, Thought that uh, didn't you have like a little bit of a reservation about shark?
5: I think it's it's going to be very gory and very bloody and very graphic and and I don't know. There there's one scene where he's you're looking at me like I'm not thinking of the right thing, Jonathan.
4: Oh, I just thought that you had thought the King Shark was uh, coming across as even a little too dense. Yeah,
5: <sighs> maybe. Um, I it was funny, but. Uh, I, I will admit, I like the Harley Quinn version of King Shark best, where he's just really cuddly and friendly. Mm. So I like a King Shark that is not just, even though sharks are pretty smart, I think, I've heard. Um, I don't know any personally. You know, this uh, slightly more amiable shark, but he he definitely is a shark still.
4: Yeah, uh, no, there's no doubt about that as he starts to munch on various extras. Yeah, it. it I, I'm g- very curious about it. This one definitely has me more interested than the original Suicide Squad, which I still have not been able to watch all the way through. I've tried twice and gave up both times. So this one I think I can probably stick with. I liked the bits that they had with Harley with You know, her realizing that they were there to rescue her and she's concerned that she's upset them by having rescued herself. So she's offering to put herself Mm -hmm. back in jeopardy so that they can continue. Uh, It's cute. A lot of cute stuff. I also liked her interrogation of the thinker. That was fun. So I I look forward to it. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic about this one. Not even cautiously optimistic. However, it does reinforce the feeling that Pretty much every movie in the DCEU is kind of compartmentalized off from every other movie in the DCEU.
5: I think that's their goal for the indefinite future. Yeah,
4: I don't mind that. I just mind the fact that there's very little consistency with characters that way, too, right? Like characters, the same character can come across very differently from one incarnation to the next and yet be played by the same actor. And and uh, reptile brain Jonathan finds this scary and confusing.
5: It's, it's just a multiverse. Just think of it as a multiverse.
4: That's, that's uh, what I keep telling myself.
5: Going from the multiverse to the wide universe, we apparently are going to be getting a Thundercats movie.
4: Yeah. Tell us more about this because you brought this to my
3: attention.
5: Yeah. So Adam Wingard, who has... Uh, done such movies as Blair Witch and Death Note and Godzilla versus Kong has signed on to rewrite a Thundercats movie, which he first wrote in high school.
4: Well, he wrote a version in high school. Yeah. Another screenplay was written for this film and he's doing a rewrite on it as well as directing it. And from what I understand, he's like a mega, super, uber, duber Thundercats fan. I mean, he must've been if he was working on his own version of a screenplay back in high school.
5: And in high school, his screenplay was 272 pages long.
4: For those of you who aren't in the know, (laughs) typically the rule of thumb is that it's a minute of screen time for every page in a screenplay. So 272 pages would be 272 minutes. So at that point, you're talking like a four hour plus movie.
5: (laughs) Which, you know, not unheard of right now. But, you know, yeah. I will say I haven't seen Godzilla versus Kong yet, obviously, but um, Blair Witch got good reviews, as did, I believe, Death Note. So I'm, I I trust him being passionate about the content that he will hopefully be able to edit himself down to something reasonable. Um, he says he doesn't want them to be hyper-realistic-looking Thundercats. He doesn't want them to look like the cats out of the Cats movie, and that is probably the best news that I can hear about it. So I'm looking forward to it very much.
4: I'm curious because it is supposed to have like uh, an aesthetic that's similar to the 80s cartoon. So mm. that I, I'm really wondering how they're going to do this. This, this is going to be this like this like CGI animation type hybrid thing. And um, it's hard for me to visualize. I am I'm very curious about it. I, I'm not the biggest Thundercats fan. Like I watched that cartoon when I was a kid, but it, I wasn't like a hardcore Thundercat. I was more of a He-Man, Masters of the Universe junkie. So mm-hmm. I wasn't really as big into Thundercats, but I did watch the show. And, uh, you know, it, it it would be great to have an entertaining film that really took those characters and did something fun with them. It says that the general plot is that they're uh, fleeing their dying planet of Thund- Thundra or Thundara. I can't remember what the name Thundera. of Thundera. Yeah, Thundera. Okay. I think. Something like that. I, again, I haven't watched it since I was a kid, but uh, my fear is that means they're going to end up in modern day earth. Like that's where it's going to go. And it's just going to be like a cat out of water scenario.
5: I, uh, you know, no, well,
4: I'm just going to move from that to other bad news, which is that we have learned that stars has canceled the Neil Gaiman series, American gods, Uh, There's actually a really good article on the Mary Sue about this that goes into detail about the various setbacks that series had. And when it was first coming out, I mean, this looked like a true prestige fantasy series. You had incredible actors, a very diverse cast. You know, Neil Gaiman was involved in it. And American Gods is a pretty dense but incredible work of fiction, So that first season had a lot of people excited about it. But then there were lots of problems behind the scenes. The showrunners got removed by the studio for going over budget. And
5: which meant that actors left who were loyal to those showrunners. Right.
4: And then you had a new showrunner and things didn't go so well. So you had more actors leave. You had some actors leaving under circumstances that were at best questionable, um, meaning that there were some calls that were made that Seemed like they were doing dirty to the actors. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And now stars is no longer going to have this continue and they haven't concluded the story.
5: Well, they're talking about maybe doing a little mini series or movie to wrap everything up. Kind of like Farscape did when it got canceled out of the blue, but that's not definite. Um, I, I mean, honestly, the first season was really good. It was really dark. So definitely not for everybody, but I really enjoyed the first season. And then I stopped the second season halfway through. It wasn't that it was horrible; it just wasn't grabbing me. So this is not this is not surprising to me. Uh, something that is surprising to me is that Comic Con might have a live event over Thanksgiving weekend this year. That's an interesting choice. Yeah.
4: So Comic Con is going to have their virtual event over the summer, but they are tentatively planning a Thanksgiving weekend event in San Diego. Uh, The reason for the Thanksgiving holiday is for a couple of different things. One is that that was a holiday where they were able to get hold of the convention center in San Diego. I mean, these these buildings, I mean, when it's not a pandemic, they book up years in advance. So it can be really tricky to find a weekend where there's availability. Thanksgiving weekend, hey, who would have thunk it? Big conferences don't typically happen that weekend. (laughs) Um, and so yeah. there's, they're getting a lot of flack from fans, uh, and, and the press about this particular decision.
5: They, um, you know, they're, they're calling it tentative. So we'll see. I mean, they're already thinking that people who can't travel to San Diego easily won't go. They still want to keep it safeish, So I guess we'll see. Uh, however, PAX East has canceled their live event, um, which was supposed to happen, I think in July.
4: Yeah. Yeah, that one, that one has no, been
5: June. It was supposed to happen in June. June.
4: You're right. You're right. Yeah, that was supposed to happen. It's been canceled. Uh, they will have a virtual event instead, which is great. Uh, and they are also tentatively or at least hoping that they can hold the other PAX events in person later in the year. Those will happen around like September. Uh, mm-hmm. So the hope is that by then there will have there will be some kind of new normal and herd immunity situation with vaccines being rolled out and such. That's still a to-be-determined kind of thing. I think that they're, you know, they're just kind of gauging stuff as it goes along because we learned all in 2020 that you can't just say, oh, in six months, this will be fine.
5: Yeah, they're hoping to have PAX East, but... Uh, you know, didn't sell any tickets or any vendor space just to be cautious. And that was good of them. Uh, somebody who was not so cautious <laughs> uh, was a young 20, 28 year old. I'm going to say 28 is young. Uh, Tokyo resident who stole a bunch of Pokemon cards in a very like mission impossible sort of a way.
4: Yeah. Uh, he broke into a store that, that sold Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh cards Uh, And this was a store that was located at the top of a six-story building. He uh, apparently got on top of the building somehow. I don't know how he got on top of the building. Perhaps there was another building nearby that he went up and then got on top of there. Uh, He anchored a rope to the top of the building, threw it over the side, climbed down the building so that he could break through the window of the shop, and then he stole around almost $10,000 worth of Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh cards, plus another couple of grand in cash. Uh, But however, in the process, he was caught on camera and then he was caught for realsies Um, and he confessed and said that he did it because he he owes the money. They're going to take my thumbs.
5: He didn't say they were going to take his thumbs. maybe the pinkies. He he was going to pay off his debt. I I think it's interesting because he didn't really have a safety wire. Uh, And and he said, yeah, I did rock climbing in high school, so I wasn't afraid of heights. I'm like,
4: yeah, I mean, that's the only only reason I go out to the gym is that I'm constantly thinking I'm going to use this newfound strength and flexibility in heists.
5: It it just sounds like a cartoon or a fantasy story, but nope, it's real life. It
4: it sounds like a Kevin Smith movie.
5: (laughs) It does. It does. Uh, Or just some really elaborate prank. And speaking of pranks, since it is. April Fool's Day today, we are going to talk a little bit about our opinions on pranks and prank shows and things like that. But first, we're going to take a quick break.
6: Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard right snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly so visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert snagajob.com where america goes to hire
0: this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with purdue global
4: Ariel, before we talk about prank shows and our opinions on pranks, um, have you ever pulled an April Fool's on anyone that was of, you know, an elaborate
5: nature? No. No. I am really bad at pranks. My husband is freaking phenomenal at pranks to the point like where, and this, I don't think it was April Fool's, this was just vindictive. Uh, Somebody went on vacation at his office and he... Uh, drywalled up their cubicle with permission from his CEO while they were away because he was left doing some like very late night, early morning deploys for them to cover for them. Uh, so he's phenomenal. I am horrible at it. Like the best I can do is maybe look behind you out of a window and get you to look no. like I'm not, I'm not good at pranks. What about you?
4: Uh, I've done a few little pranks. They're usually incredibly silly things where I make a claim. That's just not, not, true, but I tend to make claims that I think as I'm making them, this is obviously a joke. This is obviously not real. The problem is I underestimate how other people view the information I share. So, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, I live across the street from a site that is frequently used during filming like there are a lot of different projects that filmed there. Baby Driver filmed there. Falcon and the Winter Soldier filmed there. According to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I live across the street from Munich. Anyway. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's just,
5: just a, a short trip to go international. Yeah,
4: yeah. I just gotta bring my passport whenever I walk my dog. But that that leads me to the the April Fool's joke. I claimed on Facebook that while walking my dog Tybalt, who is by every measure adorable. That uh, he was spotted by like a scouting agent, essentially, who was looking for uh, critters to put into uh, a Captain America movie. This was several years ago and that I posted that Tybalt's going to be in the next Captain America movie because this talent agent had seen me walk the dog. Like The talent agent was not at all interested in me, but only interested in my dog. Mm -hmm. And I made up some goofy like facts and stuff or whatever, or details about the story, but it was pretty tongue in cheek. And I think I even posted something like, and to think it happened today of all days because it was April 1st, thus like the, the definite indicator that this is in fact not true. But a lot of people started saying like, that's amazing. That's fantastic. So I've done things like that a couple of times. I stopped doing it because I just reached the conclusion that I'm not, if I, if I go so far that it's patently obvious that it's false, then there's no real fun in it. But if everyone buys into it, I feel badly for telling them, oh, that's not actually true. I made it up and I feel like I'm just lying. So now I don't do it anymore. I haven't done it for like three or four years.
5: Yeah, I kind of agree. Unless the April Fool's is like a, a happy surprise. Like you're you're fooling him at level A of good, but then level level B happens. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm taking you out for dinner, but you just won a million dollars from Ed McMahon, which isn't really a prank. That's just a happy surprise. <laughs> uh,
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I I pulled a great prank on my wife. I, I surprised her with a brand new car and it's really hers. Gotcha. <laughs>
5: But I, yeah, but you know, I I am very torn over April Fools because sometimes I love it. like back when Think Geek was a website, I loved going on every year and seeing the crazy ideas for, for merchandise that they came up with. Uh, and then trying to figure out which ones would become actual products later on. I
4: have a feeling that that was them testing those out occasionally. Like, in in some cases, it was like, this is just silly. We're just going to put it up. And in other cases, they got enough of a reaction to say, like, well, this should actually be a thing, like the Tauntaun sleeping bag.
3: Yeah,
5: I I agree. Although some of their things definitely are not, in today's day and age, super achievable. Um, I also like when video games will put out special mods for for april fool's day i know like league of legends had one where everybody moved super slow one year or something like that that was pretty hilarious i I
4: like it when video because a lot of video games will build in things where whatever the internal clock is of the device they're running on when it reaches certain dates then you get those kind of special events in games i love those i think that those are a lot of fun whether it's April Fool's or something else. I liked some websites like Google would typically have three or four things every year that were, you know, not, they they were just ridiculous. They were absolutely ludicrous ideas. And sometimes they would play with like Google maps. Like there was one year where they turned Google maps into an interactive game of Pac-Man. So whenever you looked at mm-hmm. a map, it became a, a Pac-Man maze
1: Um, That was amazing. Yeah, like things like
4: that. I really like I like that creativity. I know there are people I cover tech. I know there are a lot of people who cover tech who are absolutely fed up with April fools, and they have been for the better part of a decade. And their justification is that a lot of companies take it as an opportunity to essentially just tell unfunny jokes or to, Mm -hmm. you know, present a big lie as if that's a joke. Uh, And I get it like it's kind of like comedians. If you go and see an open mic night, you're going to see some people who definitely do not belong on stage and should not ever try this. And you have other people who are doing really well. They might be trying really hard. Maybe they haven't quite found their voice yet, but there there's something genuine there. And I feel like the same thing is true with a lot of stuff you see on April Fool's where some jokes are genuinely pretty amusing. and then. Some just fall flat. And I I feel like the tech journalists are so exasperated with the ones that don't land that they've just written off all of them. And to me, they come across like a bunch of stick in the muds.
5: You know, I can totally see that. The other side of of pranks is now I'm I'm hoping that most prank uh, tech pranks are at least in a pleasant, positive nature and not horribly malicious because uh, you know i've seen friends who as soon as you you put your pranks out there on social media or the news or whatever feel the the pressure to escalate to a point where i think the pranks are no longer fun and just horrible and vindictive and mean i guess that's why we have like the show uh pardon for my language jackass and such uh that i absolutely don't appreciate so i can i can understand if those if those pranks are not good spirited how they could be. Yeah,
4: I get that too. I mean, most of the time, I don't even think it's well, every now and then you get a company that just has a terrible, stupid mistake of a joke. Like they like joke in air quotes where, you know, whatever the, the quote unquote joke is really just comes across as crass or insensitive or insulting or offensive. There are those, those cases, but most of the time it's just jokes that just, aren't like someone just has to say they're just not very funny, right? Like it's not that it's Mm -hmm. offensive. It's just, it just doesn't land. Uh, But there are other ones that I think do. I I get it that it can be exasperating because everyone's doing it. And especially if you report on tech news, (laughs) April Fool's gets to be a bit of a headache because you're constantly trying to suss out what's the real story versus what's a PR stunt or fake story. And that can get exhausting. So I do understand it from that perspective. As for mean-spirited, like, when you you brought up Jackass, I never was a fan of the show. Uh, Not to to speak ill of anyone who is a fan of the show. But in that case, I think of it almost like it's always sunny in Philadelphia in that it's a group of people who are all doing terrible things, but they're doing them to each other primarily. And they're all kind of terrible. So it's almost okay? Um... But there are other shows where it's most of the pranks, like most of the pranks on Jackass, are directed within the group of Jackass. But pranks on some of the other shows are directed outward toward people who are not involved in that show. Punked is an example, right? So, Punked. I mean, it's all celebrities who are getting it mostly, but they aren't celebrities who are on the show, so they are are the unsuspecting victims of those pranks. Depending on the nature of the prank, I can find it funny, but often I just find it really mean-spirited. Um,
5: I, I kind of felt that way even back in the old days of, like, Candid Camera.
4: Yeah. No, I feel the same. Uh, like, it's it's hard to find, like, because a lot of the humor of pranks tends to be, like, finding that crazy reaction from someone. And obviously, getting a crazy reaction with something that is outrageous is way easier, right? However, that being said... The kind of you probably wouldn't call them pranks, but it's arguably based on the same kind of premise. It's just a different focus. I like things like um, the various YouTubers and streamers who end up giving away money to people who have like streams or channels that have very few viewers as a way of just surprising them or the folks who give really big tips to really hardworking wait staff and restaurants and that kind of thing. What I don't like about those shows, though, is that frequently the hosts come across as being a little um, smug about, <laughs> about their role in doing this. Uh, that's not so much fun because it then the focus ends up being, hey, let's look at me and how good am I for giving away this money? That shouldn't be the focus of the show. I think the focus yeah. of the show should be the benefit of helping out someone who, uh, who wasn't expecting it.
5: Yeah. And I, I mean, I kind of think that that's, that's a good line to, to put for any sort of prank is, how are you improving the prank ease life by doing this? Yeah. Because, uh, and, and it, it makes it hard. Cause you, you don't always, you might think that something is a fun prank and somebody else won't take it that way. So you just, you gotta be cautious. Um, But yeah, if if you're if you're generally trying to leave the person better than they started off as, that's a a good prank.
4: Yeah. I mean, like there are times where depending on your relationship with the person, something a little more prankish, like a little more impish and mischievous can be perfectly fine. There have been times where people have pulled little pranks on me that I found genuinely hilarious. One example is that on my birthday one year, many, many years ago, um, a friend of mine gave me a scratch off lottery ticket. And so I scratched it off. And according to the lottery ticket, I had won $10,000. And it was really exciting. I was like, oh my gosh, $10,000. That's amazing. You know, it's not like $10,000 is a lot of money, but it's not a life changing enormous amount of money, right? It's like, wow, I can do a lot of cool things with this ten dollars but you're not, you're not, your life hasn't changed. And then he finally broke it to me. So turn the ticket over and I turned it over and Reading the back of the ticket, it's clear that it was a prank. It was a joke. It wasn't a real scratch-off lottery ticket. My wife was so angry. It was her friend, that because I I met him through her. She was so angry about this. I thought it was hilarious. And she said, why aren't you angry? She was angry at me for not being angry. And I said, because (laughs) what he gave me was the gift of feeling like I had won. But... Even though I didn't win, it's not like I lost anything. I didn't lose ten thousand dollars. I just got the feeling that I had won ten thousand dollars, and it was a great feeling. And it's okay that I don't have it. I'm no worse off now than I was before the the prank happened.
5: That's um, that's a really great attitude. I, you know, I do think that that's situational though, because like when I was, you know, I'm I'm doing pretty well right now. But when I was very very poor and splitting a pack of ramen between two meals, uh. You like t- one, I would have been really skeptical if a friend had given me a winning lotto ticket with ten thousand dollars and I would have like triple checked to make sure it was accurate. But then if I had found out, no, I wouldn't have lost anything, exception of that hope of maybe like stepping like paying off a few credit cards and, and having a good steak dinner. So. uh, But but I really like your attitude on that, that's that's a really great one to have that I hadn't thought of, of am I have I lost anything because this isn't true? Yeah, huh, I like that. Yeah.
4: I mean, like I didn't I didn't walk out any poorer than I walked in. And I was I was at a stage of my life where 10 grand would have come in really handy. But it was not. Um, Yeah, it wasn't it. It, it wasn't mean spirited. Well, maybe it was on his behalf, but I didn't <laughs> interpret it that way. To me, it was just kind of like, oh, that was a fun feeling. I wish it were real, but it's not a big deal. that it's not <laughs> so. But um, speaking of things that we wish were real but aren't. Are going we're going to go into our mashup as soon as we come back from this break to talk about something that we wish was real, but as far
6: as we know, isn't snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring, with access to over six million active hourly workers. kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard right snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly so visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert snagajob.com where america goes to hire
0: this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with purdue global
4: so one bit
3: of news
4: that we did not cover in our news segment we decided to move to this and make it the focus of our mashup and that is we now know the release date of one movie and possibly a second movie although that second movie is more questionable ariel which two movies am i talking about
5: well, one is Black Adam, which, uh, if you haven't heard, is a DC superhero film starring Dwayne Johnson. He's actually, I think, most commonly a Shazam villain. Yes. Uh, but he's getting his own story. And, and at least for this first movie, Shazam won't, is is not supposed to be in it. And then the other one, in theory, is Indiana Jones 5. So... Warner Brothers and and Disney going head to head there. Yeah.
4: The article that we cite, and you'll find it in our show notes over at largenerdroncollider.com talks about the suspicion that Disney will push that date, maybe because they don't want to go up against Black Adam, but also I would argue because they are rapidly running out of time to make the next Indiana Jones movie, which as far as we know, hasn't even been written yet. Uh, Whereas Black Adam hasn't, you know, it's got a long way to go too. superhero movies take a long time to make, but that one at least has a shot at making its 2022 uh, date. We decided that since these two films, at least right now, are scheduled to go head to head, we would find out what would happen if instead of fighting, they made sweet, sweet love to one another and gave birth to some sort of mashup.
5: Yes. So do you want to go first or shall I go first?
4: Uh, I If you want me to go first, I will, but I'm giving you the option.
5: Uh, that means yours is really, really good. I'm,
4: and I, I don't think mine. My- let me put it this way. I'm proud of mine. That doesn't mean it's good.
5: <laughs> Listen, I am always proud of mine, but I also am proud of some pretty dorky stuff. So I'll go first. This is uh, Indiana Jones and the Lost chronicles of the mysterious child so you all probably know indiana jones's story well maybe not everybody my best friend did just watch them for the first time the other day but assuming that you have heard his stories and watched his movies you probably didn't know that they didn't all happen quite the way they were actually told so uh the year is 1935, and Indiana Jones has just successfully nabbed the remains of an emperor in Shanghai and is headed home along with a nightclub singer named Willie, who has a crush on him, and a 14-year-old orphan kid named Billy, who he picked up along the way. <laughs> when Indy's plane crash lands in India, they all very narrowly escape the crash and head to a nearby village. When Indy and the crew meet the local people in that village, they are apprised of a gang of ne'er-do-wells who have stolen... All of the kids in the area to help them find some stones with some odd markings on them that will lead them to a sacred throne room that is supposed to house some rock of eternity thing. The locals explain it can bestow the powers of the gods upon its finder. And they beg Indy to help stop the the 'er ne'er-do-wells and return the children and save the stone. And Indy, ever the reluctant hero, agrees for himself and his crew. He doesn't really ask them, but he agrees anyhow. That night, Indiana's and his crew get attacked by assassins, and in the process of defending themselves, they find a series of tunnels that leads to what one can only assume is the ancient throne room. Sadly, the No Good gang has also found the throne room, having acquired all of the sacred stones, and they capture Indiana Jones, Willie, and Billy and tie him up. Indiana says, don't worry, kids, I've got this, and begins to shimmy out of his bindings just as a leader of the gang lights a nearby torch to search the throne room for the Stone of Eternity. All of a sudden, Billy is encased by lightning and he shouts Shazam against his control. He bulks up into a massive hunk of a man defeating all of the gang. As Billy ties up the gang and frees the kids and his friends, the Stone of Eternity falls on the gang members dispatching them and a wizard appears to explain Billy's powers to him. Willie, no longer interested in Indiana Jones and kind of disturbed by her odd attraction to Shazam, leaves to talk to a shrink And Indy, a little dejected at not being the hero, heads home to forget about having been saved by a kid, leaving Shazam to return the children to the village. One year later, Indy is traveling along with his old crush, Marion Ravenwood, trying to find the Ark of the Covenant before some Nazis do. After some perilous encounters in Germany, they find themselves in Egypt, where a friend tells them that the Nazis are looking in the wrong place for the Ark and he gives them a guide, a kid named Freddie, to help them navigate to the correct location without tipping off the locals. Indian Marion and Freddie go to retrieve the ark, which happens to be at the bottom of a snake infested well. But just as Indian Marion and Freddie uncover the ark, the Nazis capture them, and the captain of the Nazis ties them up, crippling the boy in the process. The Nazis bring the three to the place where they intend to open the Ark, but when they do, lightning bolts strike out of the Ark onto Freddy. Freddy cries out, I wish Shazam were here. He grows superpowers and defeats the Nazis. Shazam shows up, being called by this immense power surge, and explains to Freddy that he is now Shazam Jr. Used to be Captain Marvel Jr., but they changed his name to Shazam. (laughs) And while Shazam Jr. still looks like a kid, Shazam Sr.? ...is still a big Hulk of a Superman, so Marion, no longer interested in Indy, leaves, and Indy, a little dejected at not being the hero, heads home to forget about having been saved by a kid. Two years later, Indy is at it again, this time looking for the Holy Grail. Through his adventure, Indy saves his father and his father's young research assistant, Mary, who looks... ...oddly like that kid Billy from a few years back, from Nazis, only to be betrayed by his traveling companions, Savannah and Butia, who were Nazis themselves... Savannah and Butea beat Indy and the crew to the grail and meet with an old wizard who explains the whole grail thing to them about like drinking from the right cup and immortality, blah blah blah, can't leave, blah. Butia and Savannah try to take the Grail as soon as they see Indy, Henry, and Mary arrive in the temple, but it causes the temple to start to collapse. A giant boulder releases from the ceiling, and as they start to run away, Mary runs through the wizard apparition and gets electrified, shouting, "I wish Shazam were here!" She turns into Mary Marvel, nabs Henry and Indy from being crushed by the boulder, and escapes the temple. On the outside, Indy thinks to himself, "Finally, it's my turn." But Mary, who in this story is legal, kisses Henry and they fly off together, abandoning Indy to his rage and embarrassment. Indy vows revenge and after years of research, begins searching for the fabled Black Adam to help him defeat the Shazam Marvel family. And I'm pretty sure this is what the next movie is going to be.
4: (laughs) So let me get this straight. Your Indiana Jones Black Adam mashup is a prequel to the Indiana Jones Black Adam mashup.
5: Yes. Do you got a problem with that, my friend? No,
4: I, I was impressed that you you worked in New Origins for the entire Marvel family. Um, all right.
5: Hey, hey, Freddy was left for dead by Captain Nazi in the books in the in his original. Uh, I'm story, not, so. uh,
4: yeah, he wasn't zapped by the Ark of the Covenant, but OK, OK, I'm going to. Hey, it's fine. It's a mashup. It's a fine. I'm going to give you my mashup. Mine is Indiana Jones and the Ancient Egyptian. Here we go. Indiana Jones has a problem. He's 78 years old. It's 1977. He's in line at Grauman's Chinese Theater in Los Angeles to see this brand new movie called Star Wars, and he really needs to use the bathroom. He tries to just focus on something else, but there's a guy hosing down the sidewalk across the street. A kid in front of him is sipping a soft drink from a big cup and a straw, and a dog just a little up the way is lifting his leg and looking Indy right in the eye as he does so. Indiana grumbles under his breath and peels out of the line in search of a restroom. Next to the theater is an impromptu museum exhibit building, promising examples of ancient Greek artifacts. More importantly, the exhibit has a restroom. Indiana rushes in after paying an entrance fee. As he runs by the displays, he gives him a casual glance, and we hear him say, fake fake, fake. Wait, what's this? Jones is stopped, and he stares at a piece of pottery, upon which are odd letters. This isn't fake, but it's not Greek, says Jones, to no one in particular. He puts on his spectacles and takes a closer look, his mouth moving as his eyes look at these odd letters, and he utters only one word. Shazam. Shazam! Lightning strikes, and Jones sees he is no longer in the museum exhibit. He's also no longer a very, very old dude. He is a big, hunky guy in a cape. He stands before a mystical figure who introduces himself as the Wizard Shazam, and that the name itself stands for the power of the gods—Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, and Mercury. And that now, Indiana Jones must take up the mantle as the world has need of a hero to protect him. Can I take a leak first? Says Indy. We cut away to a totally different time and place, we're in ancient Egypt, and we see a wizard, the same as the one from the previous scene in fact, bestow powers on a man named Teth Adam. The man looks a lot like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. In this case, the gods the wizard Shazam calls for are Shu, Hershef, Amon, Zuti, Anpu, and Menthu. Also spelling Shazam, I guess the wizard has a type. Anyway, Teth Adam gets the same powers as Shazam or Captain Marvel if you prefer, but the DC version of Captain Marvel, not the Marvel version of Captain- you get the idea. Soon, this hero turns villain, usurping the Egyptian throne to rule instead. That prompts the wizard to banish Teth Adam, now known as Black Adam, to a distant star, whereas Black Adam immediately begins his very long journey back home, which will take him 5,000 years plus 30 more because he stopped for burgers or something. Anyway, we see this in a quick flashback sequence that leads up back to present day, uh, present day being 1977, remember, for this movie, and Black Adam returns to Earth. There, he decides he will take over the planet, but not if Shazam Jones can do anything about it. The very, (laughs) very... Very old, and I have to stress this, the very old Indiana Jones says Shazam to turn into a hero and uses his newfound superpowers to battle it out with Black Adam, and they start to have a big old punch fest. What the heck, let's even get Zack Snyder to direct this part. He loves these. So Shazam's Jones and Black Adam are, are equally strong, they're equally resilient. They're equal in every way, really, and so while it's a real slobber knocker, not much is actually getting done here. Shazam Jones decides to lead Black Adam away from Los Angeles, desperately trying to think of a way to defeat him. He knows that his own power comes from the word Shazam, so out of desperation, he attempts to get Black Adam to say that word. Hey, what's your beef? Says Indiana, which, hey, Black Adam has a bit of a trouble understanding because the last time he was on Earth, he was speaking an ancient form of Egyptian. So Black Adam says in ancient Egyptian, I don't even know who you are, man. Indiana, hearing the words, realizes what they are. And even though no one has heard ancient Egyptian in thousands of years, and there is no way to really know what it sounds like, despite what Stargate would have us believe, Indiana <laughs> Shazam Jones manages to say, you me, knock-knock, but why? Who old man with fuzz face? Black Adam, genuinely confused, looks off to the side for a moment, then back at Jones and says... You mean Shazam? Bam, lightning flash. Black Adam transforms back into Teth Adam. But while Black Adam had those godlike powers and was thus immortal, Teth Adam did not. And so, in an instant, Black Adam ages 5,000 years. Seen this before, says Shazam Jones. He flies back to Los Angeles. Guess I'll see the movie tomorrow. You know, if it's still playing. (laughs) Star Wars. Then he says Shazam, transforms back into normal Indiana Jones, grabs his walker because he is so old. And he slowly makes his way down the sidewalk as the Indiana Jones theme plays. The end.
5: Okay, I I I did like it, but two things. One, slobber knocker? Yeah,
4: that's a that's a good old WWF term from JR.
5: <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. And two. Seventy-eight is not that old, Jonathan. Did
4: you see Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? He looked old in that, and that was done a decade ago.
5: Yeah, but then I saw uh, The Force Awakens, and he didn't look super old. You look kind of old to he me. Just looked,
4: look, look. He looks also, like a he would dude. say it's not the years; it's the mileage.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Fair,
4: but yeah, I you might say I'm a little skeptical about the next Indiana Jones movie. <laughs>
5: Listen, I, I am too, but I'm, I, I'm going to see it and I'm going to hope for the I mean, best. If they, if
4: they actually do uh, set it in the time period that would be roughly equivalent to Harrison Ford's age, we are talking late seventies.
5: That would be awesome. And I, I would watch your movie for definite.
4: <laughs> uh, well, Hollywood, as 20s. always, Give us a call if you're interested.
5: <laughs> and you all should reach out to us if you're interested in sharing your versions of this mashup or topics you want us to talk about or thoughts on April Fool's Day or any other geeky topic. We love chatting with you. Jonathan, how can they do that? Well,
4: one way you could do that is sending us an email. The email address for our show is lnc at iheartmedia.com or you can drop us a line on Twitter where we are lnc underscore podcast or even easier, you can let us know on Instagram or Facebook where we're Large Nerdron Collider.
5: Yes. And if you like the show, make sure to subscribe, tell your friends, you know, the more people that we have listened, the better geek conversations we have. Uh, we really look forward to it. It certainly brightens up our Yeah. Way.
4: Review us on all the podcasting services, but only if you have nice things to say, because I'm a delicate flower.
5: That's true. Until next time, he is Jonathan Strickland.
4: And she is Ariel Delicate Flower Casting.
3: slash iHeart.